Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. We've been looking at the justice or the righteousness of God this week, and we defined God's righteousness earlier on as His supreme commitment to uphold the glory of His own name. And if that sounds strange to you, I would just suggest picking up a John Piper book, uh, The Pleasures of God, maybe, uh, to help you understand how God, yeah, Jonathan has it in the studio with us today, The Pleasures of God. Isn't that one of the best books you've read by Piper? It's it's my favorite of his books. Yeah. So um, That and Desiring God. Yes. Those two companion. Both of those are excellent. So he has a great way of defining um, terms. I mean, one of the the gifts that Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones was to the church is he said, we always need to return to first principles. We always need to define what we're talking about. And that's what we've been pressing on this week with the righteousness of God. God's righteousness is his aim to uphold his own glory. And yesterday we talked about our duty in light of that, which is that whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we likewise are to do all for the glory of God. So we've seen the doctrine and duty of God's righteousness. So today we're looking at our delight. How is God seeking his own glory, which is the essence of his righteousness? How is that our delight? Well, we're, we're made in the image of God. And though that image be tarnished by sin, um, and uh, bur- <laughs> buried under, under layers of sin, uh, the... the uh, when Christ's re- redemption works in us to peel those layers off. We, that's what we were made for. We were made to reflect the glory of God. We were made to delight in God. And until we are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, we don't even know that. We don't even experience that. You, you wonder, what is life for? But uh, you, were created, you were created for a purpose. Uh, and, and that, as the, as the Catechism says, is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And, and, and that's why. That's, wh- that, that's the, the delight in reflecting his goodness and righteousness. Well, until we're one of his, we can't really delight in his justice right. at all. Right. Because, you know, it's, it's because his justice, his just judgment against uh, sin was poured out on Jesus Christ, we can actually uh, delight in his, in his justice and his, and his uh, righteousness. And that becomes a great source of comfort to us as his as his people. You know, we, we don't understand a lot of things in this life. You know, we actually all long for justice. We, you know, but if we're, we're honest, we're actually longing for it because we want God to go after those really big sins of other people. But it's when we've actually uh, understand ourselves to be sinners, then we can delight in the justice of God that uh, he didn't give us what he de- what we deserved, but he was merciful and he was also gracious because he gave us something far beyond uh, what we deserve. And so this is, it's important. We can delight in it because it's a comfort to us now. 
And, uh, you know, for the impenitent person, the person that isn't, uh, hasn't come to Christ, apart from Christ, all that there remains is God's justice. All, all the, you know, it's a source of comfort for us to, who believe. We know that sin is not going to go unpunished in this world. We know that evil is going to be taken care of. We know that God is not unjust and he's not going to pass over those things. He's going to repay everyone according to their deeds. And and so the psalmist even uh, discerned the end of the wicked. And uh, when he discerned that, he glorified God that th- this was going to get taken care of. So there's a certain amount of delight. Not not that we uh, are cruelly pleased that he's going to work that out, but we're we're we are we do delight in the fact that he has saved us and he's going to take care of evil in this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and <clears throat> when when we when we would begin to despair about the world, when we would begin to to think. Uh, and, and the modern world, uh, in many ways, is in despair over this. The modern world believes the truth is unknowable, uh, that uh, justice uh, it doesn't exist or will always be perverted. Or, uh, But the truth of God, believers, reminds us that at the very heart of the universe, there is pure, perfect, absolute justice and righteousness. Mm-hmm. That and, and it will prevail. God, God will prevail. Uh, I, I've read the back of the book. God wins. Right. And and <clears throat> that, that's take hope in that. Yeah. He says it all the way through the book in Isaiah forty-two. He says, "Behold, my servant, speaking about uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations." He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his law. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves the sojourner. Um, He's the God who exercises justice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the flip side of that is that that's where our hope is because he exercises justice and is righteous. It's because of that that this is where N.T. Wright is right. That's his covenant faithfulness to his people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. My only hope is in the righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. And that righteousness includes his absolute commitment to fulfill his word and his promise and his vow and his oath. Mm-hmm. That's his righteousness that I, as his child, can rejoice in yeah. and, and praise him for. That um, This is Psalm 33. Mm-hmm. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. And what are we shouting about? What we're shouting to the Lord is that the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. Mm-hmm. He loves righteousness. He loves justice. And because of that, I'm forever um, kept and, and held secure. My my salvation is sure because it doesn't depend an ounce on me. Yeah, It depends on his righteousness. You, yep. you talked a bit about um, what the Christian's hope is. There's this great story in the Gospel of John where Jesus uncovers what our deepest hope and what our deepest need is. And it's in John chapter 11, when Lazarus gets ill, 
and Martha and Mary come to Jesus and they say, Lord, whom you love is ill. And then picking up in verse four, Jesus just tells them, listen, this, this illness does not end, lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And then John goes on to say, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus so that, and that's the word therefore, therefore when he heard that Lazarus was ill, and at that point, what should it say if we have a man-centered worldview? It should say, so when Jesus heard that he was ill, he immediately rushed to his aid and healed him. But that's not what the Bible says. It says that he stayed where he was for two more days. And Martha and Mary picked up on this later because Lazarus died in this interim. And uh, they say, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would have been healed. And the fact of the matter is, is that's true. Mm -hmm. But he was motivated by his love to let Lazarus die. Why? Because in them seeing Lazarus be raised from the dead, they saw a glory of Jesus Christ that they wouldn't have been exposed to otherwise. And that's the very definition of being loved by God, is seeing his glory. This is why uh, this, this issue of delighting in God's justice or righteousness is so um, imperative for you to see, brother and sister Christian. Um, if you want true, if you want to feel truly loved by God in your life, seek his glory above all things. Uh, don't rest until you, like Jacob, he grabbed a hold of the hem of that, the angel of the Lord, and he said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. This is what it means to be loved by God is to see him in his person. I was waiting for you to ask a question. And, uh, as, after no, that. but no, go ahead. No, um, but that whole idea of uh, of God seeking His own glory and 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 is actually expressed in the fact that He does love us, mm-hmm. um, which is amazing in in the fact of who we are. I mean, I'll let you in your own mind just reflect on all of the things that you have done over the course of of your life and the things that you've thought and the things that you wish you could have done but knew you couldn't get away with and that whole list is not a pretty picture. Mm -hmm. Maybe your picture is better than mine of myself, but it's still not a great picture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But to think that a righteous and holy and just God not only loves his people, but loves to love his people. I mean, Zephaniah 3.17 um, says, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save he will rejoice over you with gladness. Mm-hmm. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Mm-hmm. What kind of God is like that? Yeah. A God that doesn't, doesn't know anything of, of sin or moral impurity or, or unrighteousness delights in his people mm-hmm. that he has loved and has made righteous in his son. I mean that that if you can't delight in that, I I don't know what there is to delight in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think um, I, I what I I know you were hoping that I was going to go here, and I'll go here. Here we have like two minutes left, though. I think a lot of Christians struggle with the idea that if God seeks His own glory, then that means He is so self centered that He can't love us, and we're concerned with how can a God a glory a glory seeking God be good for us how can that how can that be loving for us and i would just argue that that's the very definition of god loving us is by showing us his glory isn't it yeah yeah and 
um, thank God that, that, that God seeks his own glory. Uh, and if we imagine that to be some, somehow an act of selfishness, it's because we're, we're imagining God as one of us, only bigger. Yeah. Um, because we, when we see glory, our, our, our purpose is, well, because I just want you to dig me. <coughs> um, but when God wants us to dig him, when, to use vernacular, when God, when God wants us, uh, when God glorifies himself, uh, he embraces his people into that glory and we share it. Yeah. Um, praise God that God seeks his own glory. Mm. And God does have the ability to delight in us. He says in Isaiah 62, 5, as a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. And C.S. Lewis made this statement. He said, to be sovereign of the universe is no great matter to God. God who needs nothing, loves into existence holy, superfluous creatures in order that he may love and perfect them. Mm. <laughs> Amen to that. Yep. That is excellent. Um, maybe just one more illustration. We have about a minute left um, to, to drive this point home. If, if I barged into the studio today and said, hey, brothers, my gift to you is here, it's me. <laughs> that was funnier than that. Come on. Um, <laughs> I used to have a son that would come into to grandpa and grandma's house on Sunday and say, the party can start. Caleb's here. Yeah, exactly. And we would, we would think, oh man, that's so, that's so egotistical. That's so wrong. And the reason why that's wrong is because it's, it's only a loving act if we direct people's gaze to the best thing in the universe. So when God comes on the scene in our in our lives through Jesus Christ, through the gospel, and he says, here I am, it's, it's the most loving thing for God to point our attention to him. It would be unloving for him to glorify something else. It would be unloving for him if he obscured his own glory and pointed to the glory of some other created object. So this has been the Gospel for Life. Mm -hmm. We hope that you tune in tomorrow. We'll see you next time. 